Um, If you can turn um, in your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, we're going to jump in in a few minutes. But before we get started, I just want to pray. Pray for God's Spirit to be in this room and that lives will be changed today. So will you join me with that prayer? Father, thank you so much um, for this opportunity. Father, that um, we get to gather together. We get to experience your presence and your spirit, Father. We invite you here. Father, we, we ask that my words will not be spoken today, but your words will be spoken with clarity and with power and with conviction, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity. And God, we ask for life change today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, Pastor John mentioned a few weeks ago that today you would get a hint of what our vision series in the fall would look like. And so I have something to share with you. And um, it's super fun and exciting um, that I think you guys might get behind. Um, But we need you guys to be in prayer over um, the next steps for our church. So, as you guys know, um, several years ago, we um, launched our multi-site Two locations, um, one vision, one heart, and we launched that um, a few years ago. And we did that to alleviate the overcrowding at our ETR location, but we also did it so that we could reach a a new group of people that we believe God has um, done that and we have reached the forest area. There has been so many positive things that have happened with our multi-site launch. Um, We have seen many of you rise up um, and become leaders in our church, because volunteer leaders, because um, we needed new leaders um, when we stretched to two sites. Um, We've also seen, even more importantly, we have seen um, people come to Christ and come to uh, this campus because of having two sites. So, There's been a great and lots of positive things that have come out of having um, two locations. Um, But there has been the downside. And um, our volunteer uh, spreading out between two locations um, has been very high, the the volunteer demand. Um, But also our staff has had to um, keep their eyes on two locations um, and um, have been stretched that way as well. Um, And also our... Um, Collide Student Ministries has not been able to take off in two different locations. So, with, with much prayer and consideration and consultation, um, we believe that Brentwood Church um, is supposed to rejoin into one site um, and um, the two different locations into one site. So, that may, woo, yep. Okay. Um, with that may raise some questions. Some of you may be asking, where is this location going to be? Um, how are we going to financially afford it? Uh, what's going to happen to ETR? What's going to happen to Forest? And while we don't have the precise answers to all those questions, we are telling you because we want you to be in prayer behind this next step. But we do have some givens, some things that you can be sure about. We will um, be financially responsible as we are guided by our elders and our stewardship team. Um, And we will make sure that the next location that we are able to offer as many services um, to maximize the people that we are able to reach while not overburdening our volunteers and our staff. Um, the other thing is we will make this decision and this lo- we will make a decision of what, where the location is within a matter of months. Um, and also we just believe that, um, 
this is an, a way for us to come together as two locations and that you can um, re, uh, regain um, old friends and, um, and, and catch up with old people, but also that the, the volunteer, um, put the, the two sites of us coming together, the volunteer energy that we have, we believe that we will exponentially be able to reach this city um, in ways that we haven't being in two sites. So we are excited about that opportunity. We want you to be in prayer for the team that is going to be um, finalizing where that site will be and that they will just heed the leading of the Holy Spirit. So pray that you can join us in that prayer and we're excited about that next step for Brentwood Church. So over 15 years ago, um, John and I um, launched this church, and um, we launched it in a city full of sleepy, wounded Christians and unchurched people. And if we had to sit down with a church launching team right now, we would probably give them this piece of advice, that, and we would pass this on to them, um, that the body of Christ will not grow because of um, churches are cool and clever and contemporary. It grows when people experience Jesus and they pass it on to others. And so today I want to dive into that um, and go a little bit deeper as to what that means. And, and what I want to make is very clear is that there is nothing wrong with cool and clever and contemporary. In fact, I want us to be a church that is so irresistible to people that there are no seats left beside you. Okay, we are not called to be in a certain seat or in a certain place in town or in a certain building. We are called to fill the seats next to us. Okay, so when we press forward with this new with this new location, okay, but we also want to claim the vision that God has placed on our heart is to lead people to new and deeper levels, and we got to make sure that we don't get caught up in cool and clever and contemporary because that can't be the vision of the church. That can be something that that we love and it, it's a value that we have, but it cannot be what drives us. We have to be driven to lead people to new and deeper levels with Jesus. So I want today, I want us to take a journey in um, John chapter 4, and we're going to start out on, um, in verse 13. Okay? And we're, I'm going to just set this up for a little bit. Um, this is in the early months of Jesus' teachings and in his ministries. Okay? And he meets this Samaritan woman. And this um, Samaritan woman at this well, and right now it's just the two of them because the disciples have gone off and gotten something to eat. So it's just the two of them. And it's a very um, important encounter because this is the first time um, that, one of the first times that Jesus has given the gospel to a non-Jewish person. Okay, so um, we've, we've passed the introductions with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Jesus is making the point that this woman continues to go to this well. And um, she's, she's, she's thirsty. And she continues to go to this well for sustenance. And, um, and it represents the well of, our, of the world that we constantly are going back to. And it will never um, fulfill our thirst. And um, this is where the gospel begins. It begins with us admitting that we cannot save ourselves from our sin. We cannot, we cannot save ourselves from our own water. But we'll, um, if, if we do, then we will always be thirsty for attention and, um, 
and uh, affirmation from other people and stuff and money. There will constantly be something more that we are going after from this well that the world has to offer. Um, in February of 1999, we launched um, this church with um, four elderly ladies and John and I. It was the most unlikely to succeed church plant team um, that I could ever imagine. Okay, we had the least amount of experience, and it's four elderly ladies. And we were in this church down in Rustburg, Virginia, um, down the road. And um, what we did have, which was really special, is we all had a lot of passion. Okay, we had a passion to um, to see people. Um, see Jesus and, and to reach the sleepy and the wounded Christians, to, to reach the people who were thirsty for Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things that just stood out in our early um, meetings with these ladies is that they were so sad that their grandchildren and their children had left the church. They saw the church as irrelevant and judgmental. Okay. And they were thirsty, but they were not thirsty for the gospel or for the church. And so they ran. They were running from the church. They were running from the gospel. And so these ladies just, um, just shared with us their passion to go after their grandchildren and their children for Christ. And so that has been the vision from day one is to wake up sleepy and, um, and wounded Christians and to reach the unchurched for Jesus. That has been our vision from day one. And a cool twist of that story is that a few months ago, um, one of our pastors was teaching um, in the Connect class. And so um, they were sharing the story about the, the elderly ladies and what their passion and their vision was for um, years down the road for their grandchildren to be a part of the local church. And a guy raises his hand and he says, um, hey, I'm one of those grandsons. And it was the coolest thing for us to realize that it took 15 years, but man, we were able um, to go after the people that we were going after. Um, and then just a few weeks ago, John was in the middle of doing a wedding and for this couple, and the guy said, hey, my grandmother was one of the four ladies that helped start this church. And so we realized at, that um, it was just a reminder that after much prayer and um, just persistence and time and casting that vision, that God has really honored that and allowed us to see firsthand these grandchildren who have come to um, know Jesus now and return back to the church. So that has been the vision from day one, and that's the, that's the vision now. So speaking of vision, um, look in uh, verse 14. Um, Jesus paints a divine vision for this woman. But wh- whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus later explains that this is God's spirit in us and his salvation redeeming us. But look at her response. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming to draw water here. Okay, clearly she does not know who she's talking to um, because she refers to him as sir. And she doesn't even really know what he's talking about. So she refers to him as sir. And I believe that there are people who walk in day in and day out, out of churches, in and out of churches, and are probably here today that see Jesus as sir. They see him as somebody that they respect, but it's not somebody that they worship. And 
It is so important for us to see Jesus not only as a sir, but as our savior. He has saved us and he is worth worshiping. Okay, so watch what happens next. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. Jesus says go, which means takes action, take action. And he's saying this because he wants to speak into her brokenness. He knows that she doesn't have a husband. And he knows that she's doing, um, she's going back to this well to cope with the emptiness that's inside. But this well has nothing for her. It gives her nothing. It constantly makes her want more from this empty well, looking for the affirmation and looking for, for substance in her life. So look how she responds. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus calls out her brokenness and she owns it. She says, I have no husband. She owns her where she's at. But Richards, that's where we want our, our church to go. We want us to be people that God calls us and convicts us. And we own, we own where we're at. We own the sin and the brokenness. He wants to free us from that. That is why we have created a two response stations on Sunday mornings. It's so that people, when they, when they feel God's spirit convicting them, and they can come forward and they can write it down or they can pray. They can ask Jesus to, to, to heal that brokenness. We also have the response stations so that we know that there are people in your life that you are praying for that do not know Jesus. And we want you to walk down here and light these candles in representation of those people in your life that don't know Jesus. Now, I, I'm making a huge assumption, but I think that all these candles should be filled. Because I think there's all, enough people in here to fill all the candles because we are praying for the people that we know, our family members and our people, our neighbors, our, the people that we work for that we are praying for them and we are interceding for them. And so I want to tell you a story. There's a girl I've been mentoring and I'm really excited about this because um, she had a huge breakthrough that happened. Um, uh, that was the punchline. But anyway, so she walks down this, the ETR aisle week after week for months and months and months because her husband refuses to come to church. He wants nothing to do with church. In fact, he doesn't even have Christian friends, okay? He doesn't live in a Christian bubble, okay? He does not know Jesus. And she somehow, because of somebody she knew, introduced her to Jesus. And so she started coming to Brentwood. And she walked the aisles every month, every week um, in, in interceding for her husband. Well, people began to see that, some of her friends, and said, hey, who are you praying for? And um, she clearly said, my husband, my husband does not know Jesus, and he refuses to come to church. Well, after two months of her going forward and lighting candles for her husband, she, um, her husband finally came to church. So that was like, okay, step one. We, you know, that was such victory. But after three weeks, he comes before the altar and he gave his life to Jesus. And I believe that that is what this church should be about. Absolutely. We need to celebrate those things. And I believe that when, when God sees our heart persisting and praying for people and interceding for people, I believe that we will make new believers and that will be contagious. Remember that the body of Christ does not grow because churches are clever and cool and contemporary. All that, that's awesome. 
It grows because we experience Jesus and we pass it on. We pray, we intercede for people. We tell people of the things that are happening to us. And we pass that on. Okay, so let's keep going. Um, In the next couple of verses, um, Jesus cuts through um, the woman's religious talk, and he gets to what we all need to know about our relationship and response to God. It's in verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth, what does that mean? God's spirit is, is the presence, God's presence that I just pray that you are feeling right now. Some of you um, may not be Christians. This may be the first time you've walked into this building. But I believe that you feel God's presence in around you. And God's presence is this. It is, it is that still, quiet voice that leads to conviction, that leads and gives you direction and guides you and moves you forward. It gets you moving forward. Like Jesus with this woman, God's Spirit wants to help me and you face our strongholds. There are things that that are in there. And I believe when we face our strongholds, we invite God's power to overwhelm us and to use us and allow us to move forward. His spirit will take us from apathy and recognize our phony religion and bring us back from rebellion and move us to new and deeper levels with Jesus. The woman was ready to go. Look at verse um, 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Jesus Christ declares and God's spirit affirms that Jesus is our salvation. Look what eventually happens. This is what I'm super excited about. Because this woman experienced Jesus. In verse 39, scale down. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Okay, I want to repeat that again because I think somebody didn't hear it. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. Because of this woman's testimony... It moved other people that she shared the gospel with to action. It allowed them to see Jesus for themselves. Because if you continue down those passages, you will see that Jesus stays for a couple days. And people begin to experience Jesus. But where did that start? It started with someone's testimony. It started with someone's voice. With someone's experience with Jesus. That's where it started. So... This past week, I had the awesome, oh man, incredible experience for me. Um, I got a Facebook message from a Facebook friend who just said, hey, I mean, she knew that John and I were a pastor in the area and said, hey, would you mind praying? Because um, I um, went to the doctor and we saw on the x-rays that um, there were two spots on my lungs. And we don't know if they're cancerous or not, but she was a wreck and family was upset and it was just very traumatic for them. And, 
you know, I felt that God's prompting in spirit, like, let's, we just need to go over and meet this person. And we need to um, go and we need to pray over um, this couple and this woman. And so Sunday night, we had the awesome privilege um, to go to her house. And I'm going to tell you, it was a night of worship. Um, because we were able to pray over this woman, but God's spirit was so alive and so well. And that night she got up and she just knew that she not only had spiritual healing that night, but she had a physical healing, but we weren't going to find out till the next morning. So she goes to the doctor and, um, she went and had further testing done from another doctor. And, um, this doctor, um, comes back to her and says, I'm looking at these x-rays and I don't know what you saw. I don't know what your doctor saw, but there are no spots on your lungs. Okay. It's gone. And she knew then, okay. She knew, she knew the night before, but she knew God had touched her and healed her. Now that woman um, had a chance to either pass that experience on to someone into the world, or she could keep it to herself. And I know she struggled with this because she did not know the words to say, but God led her through what she was supposed to say, to say, he gets all the glory. He, he is the one that healed me. He is the one that touched me spiritually and emotionally and physically. And so this woman, her name is Arlie. She wrote a blog and shared her story um, with the world. Okay, so within hours, she gets this email back, and this is what it says. Um, Arlie, I know we haven't really gotten to really know each other very much. So this is an acquaintance of hers. Facebook friend, you know how those go, okay? I just wanted to tell you how happy I am for you. Seeing this has spoken to me in huge ways. Seeing Beth healed, and now you, I had chills all over and couldn't stop the tears. I haven't been really right with the Lord, and I'm not trying to say I am now. Anyway, I just wanted you guys to know how powerful this has been for me just to see and feel. I hadn't actually hit my knees to pray to God in so long I couldn't even remember. Anyway, this may um, may not exactly make a whole lot of sense, as we really haven't, we've only met a couple times, but I just wanted you to know, God is awesome. And I need to stop running. So here's Arlie's testimony. And she put it out there for this world. And there's this acquaintance that just heard about her spiritual and physical healing. And she responds by saying, I need to stop running. This is the power of passing it on, Brentwood Church. There is power when we take the message of Jesus Christ and we pass that on to other people. And I believe that there are going to be miraculous things done within our body, both emotionally, physically, spiritually. Guys, I believe God is going to do something. He is waking up the big C church and I want every one of us to be a part of it. And when he does those things, I want us to go, man, it's all for his glory. It is for his glory of why he healed me and why he touched me. And when he touches you, I want you to know that it's because he has called you to speak the truth to someone else. He hasn't touched you so that you can keep it for yourself. He has called you to give it away. 
we have to remember that the body of Christ does not grow because churches are cool, clever, and contemporary. They grow because people experience Jesus and they give it away. They pass it on to other people. So this morning, there are people who are like my friend, Arlie, who you have experienced something in your life. You have experienced a touch of God. You've experienced emotional, physical, or spiritual healing. But you are struggling because you don't know how to tell people. You don't know how to get the word out. And I ask that today that you come and you ask for Jesus to give you boldness and his authority and his words to speak truth to people, into your workplace, into your neighborhoods, into your schools, wherever it might be, that you speak with authority if God has done something in your life. But maybe you are like the Samaritan woman. Maybe you are stuck at the wrong well and you are constantly looking for affirmation and attention from the wrong, wrong thing. I know I've been there. I've been there and that well is just empty. It's a place of emptiness. So if you are that Samaritan woman, I ask that you come today and you ask Jesus to fill you and that he heals your broken heart and that we want to get people around you today to pray for you. I would be happy to pray with you to receive Jesus and to receive the eternal water that he has so freely offered. And some of you are walking in spirit and truth. And I celebrate that with you. You are someone who you know when God's touched you and you are out there and you're sharing it with the world. Man, we have a responsibility to walk these aisles every single week and light a candle for people who don't know Jesus. Just like my friend, God, I know that God will do a movement when we begin to intercede for other people. When we begin to pray bold prayers for other people. And we invite people to come into our body to experience what we experience on a weekly basis. So today, I ask you to take action that this church is not going to be about being cool and clever. It is going to be about your experiences and you passing that on to other people. That you are interceding for other people. And I believe that God is going to wake up and he is going to start a fire in this room. And it is going to spread. And it's going to spread over the city of Lynchburg. And it's going to spread all over the world. I believe that. That is the vision that God has placed on John and I's heart and on the leadership of this church. And I pray that you can get behind it and you figure out which woman you are or which man you are and you accept that free gift that God has to offer or you walk boldly and share or you come and intercede for other people. Let's pray together. Stand with me and let's pray. Father, I know that your spirit is here and I know that you're speaking. I know that you are speaking to people in this room. Father, God, you have convicted me and you have convicted 
you've convicted me that I oftentimes go to the wrong well. So, Father, I pray that there will be conviction in this room, God, that you will start a fire in this room today, God, that will spread. God, that people will be able to taste your living water that you so freely give. God, that there won't be any more excuses of why we don't take action and move forward with our faith. Father, allow us to take our experiences and pass them on, Jesus. We love you and we sing praises to you right now and we want to respond to your spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen.